On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about municipal money. Uh, the city of Hamilton is having a shortfall, as all cities apparently are across the country and probably the world. But today we learned how much the federal deficit is going to be. And that is daunting, especially when you realize the city is going to be wanting transfer payments down to the city. We'll be talking with John Paul Danko, Ward 8 counselor, about that. We're also going to be chatting about math since kids are out of school. And there is something known as the summer slide. What happens when it's the spring and summer slide? And finally today, we, we will be chatting about whether or not TV and radio personalities should be able to do their shows without pants or even less. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. There was a really eye-catching story from Nashville City Hall today. Now, you may have noticed we don't cover a lot from Nashville City Hall on a regular basis, but the story, uh, you couldn't help but ignore it. The mayor there has looked at the money that the city of Nashville is going to be losing as a result of coronavirus and has put forward a 2021 budget to help the city recover from that lost revenue. This is a budget that will have a, ready for this, a 32% property tax increase. 32%. Taxes are going to go up a third in that city. And I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. Uh, We in Hamilton are also facing the loss of tens of millions of dollars in revenue into the city. And we're going to need to recoup that somehow. The preferred system seems to be transfer payments from the provincial or federal government that they would hand money towards us, except the projections announced today by the parliament's um, budget watchdog are that Canada will have a $252 billion deficit. It's a stunning amount of money. And that's before every city in the country who's facing the same problems Hamilton is comes cap in hand saying, we need help. And if you say, well, that's not the city, the, the government's, the federal government's responsibility, it's the provincial government, true, but the provincial government is in no better shape. The, the deficit there is also going to be enormous with what it's had to do. So what are our options? John Paul Danko is a counselor for Ward 8 in the city. He joins us now. John Paul, how are you today? I'm good, Scott. I'm feeling very fortunate that I get to continue working at home and collect a salary when there's so many people in our city that are uh, laid off or really struggling. Um, so I'm, I'm doing as well as can be. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing when you when they said, "Hey, John Paul, sign up to be a counselor. It'll be fun. There'll be you know no no problem. You just you just do you know cutting ribbons and stuff. Uh, not exactly. Didn't expect this one. Uh, I don't think anybody did, but, you know, we're we're doing our best in a very difficult situation, that's for sure. This situation, though, as we know, and it's not just Hamilton, obviously, that's facing this. I, I expect that every single city in the country is going to be facing it, and all over North America and all over the world. Um, there is no obvious answer to it, is there? No. Um, from a municipal perspective, I, I think one thing is is... Canada is not the United States. And I think what's going on in the U.S. is, I mean, it's nothing short of a complete failure of the, the federal government there to uh, to coordinate and to oversee a, a, a reasonable response to a global crisis. And I think the situation in Canada in general is, is completely different. Um, you know, even though our, our countries are so linked and we're so similar in so many ways, um, this has been um, a night and day difference where, we as a country have a really invested federal government that is doing everything that they need to do 
uh, to manage this crisis as best they can. Our provincial government, I mean, um, you know, I, I've had my political disagreements with Premier Ford, but he has been just the absolute leader that we need in this situation. And that transfers all the way down through to our municipal government with Mayor Eisenberger and Council. I think this is an unprecedented um, cooperation for all three levels of government in trying to come up with uh, solutions and do what we need to do um, and meet the crisis head on. So um, the, the situations in the U.S. And, and Canada are very different. Having said that, um, recognizing that there's only one taxpayer and all three levels of government are are projecting just absolutely astronomical deficits. Um, at the municipal level, you know, as a municipality, we have to do what we need to do to meet the public health crisis um, and to maintain the core city services that our residents depend on. So it's uh, our costs stay um, relatively constant. And at the same time, um, any relief that uh, that might come to municipalities, it really has to come from upper, upper levels of government. We can't rely on municipal, municipal property taxpayers to, to shoulder the burden that that we're, uh, we're projecting for our future tax revenues. So you, you can't envision it. I mean, it, like it, it, it makes your goosebumps rise to even talk about this, but you, you can't envision a scenario in which Hamilton comes to the taxpayers next year and says, look, we're so deep in the hole from the money we lost that we must impose a 15% tax increase or a 20% tax increase or something like that. No. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely confident that the provincial government and the federal government are going to come to the table with relief for municipalities. Because as you said, Hamilton is not unique in this. Every single municipality across the country is, is impacted in different ways. Um, in the city of Hamilton in particular, our, our financial impacts that we've projected up to the end of May, I think was $23 million um, that could double by the summer. And uh, we've got somewhere around $15 million in reserves right now to pay for that. So if the uh, provincial or federal governments weren't to come to the table, we're talking about a significant increase for, for taxpayers um, that uh, we that we would have no choice because we can't run a deficit. Uh, we, we've done everything that we can do as a city. I think everybody around council, um, Mayor Eisenberger and all of council, really recognize the difficulties with the ability to pay for our residents. And also that our residents are struggling, our businesses are struggling. There's so many people across the city that are laid off that are that are really having a hard time um, paying rent or paying their mortgage, let alone try, you know trying to pay their municipal property taxes. That's the the last thing that they need um, to worry about. Um, but as a city, we've done what we can to lay off our, our part-time and casual workers who are not um, you know needed right now. So. So the, the summer students and workers that are working, say, like in arenas and rec centers and that kind of thing, we've, uh, as chair of public works, we've gone through our all of our 2020 capital projects and tried to postpone anything that's non-essential to future years to lessen that burden and give us some more flexibility in our, in our municipal budget. We've reduced um, our non-essential service levels as much as possible. But at the same time, you know, we have responsibilities to our residents. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. John Paul, you used the word, and I I mean, it has been maybe the word of, other than coronavirus or COVID, it's been the word of the year so far. That's unprecedented. Um, Because this whole thing is unprecedented. Let's let's be honest. I mean, that's why everyone's talking about it. But there is one other unprecedented option. 
And you mentioned that cities are not permitted by law to run operating deficits. But what if the provincial government was to say, you know what, we can't afford to throw more money into a bigger deficit, but what we're going to do is waive that law and allow you as a city five years or some period of time to recoup the money that you've lost by somewhat increased taxes. Could you make that money back if that was an option? I think that's an option that the province has discussed and in a sense backed away from. Uh, I don't think that's a road that we would want to entertain here in Hamilton. Um, municipalities are the level of government that has the least ability to recover taxes from uh, residents. So if we were to run a deficit, it, it's not fixing the problem. It's just pushing the problem off to future future years and future generations even. Um, any of that support, it really needs to come from the provincial and the federal governments. Um, as I was saying, the services that our residents rely on um, haven't stopped. The, prov- the problems that we've uh, faced as a city in terms of poverty and social services, none of those problems have gone away. They've just been compounded because of COVID. So, you know, the services such as, uh, you know, just, just as simple as having running water coming out of your tap, um, garbage, making sure that our roads are clear and in good order. Um, supports for businesses are, are going to be a huge consideration as we start to talk about recovery. Just yesterday at Council, we uh, passed a motion to form uh, Mayor's Task Force for Economic Recovery, where we're, we're, you know, all the businesses that are shuttered or, or in very reduced capacity right now, we have to think about how we're going to keep them um, solvent and in business so that we, you know, can uh, rely on them as taxpayers in the future. And then, of course, our, our police, fire and paramedics, all those expenses are still there for the city. And... Uh, it's not an option for us to not respond to the public health crisis. You know, we, we are obligated and, and, you know, we, we need to meet whatever challenges there are. And uh, unfortunately the cost of those, um, it just seems to compound week after week, the longer this goes on. And interestingly from um, the city Hamilton financial perspective, a lot of our real big financial uh, constraints and issues are, is not so much on the spending side. It's, it's more we've we've lost a lot of the revenue sources that we rely on, um, such as HSR transit fares, where we're now providing essential uh, free transit to residents. Um, we've lost user fees for recreational programs and arena rentals and sports fields rentals and that kind of thing. And uh, we've lost a lot of revenue from uh, permit applications and licensing fees and, uh, and zoning reapplications um, just because there's so much uncertainty in the economy, businesses don't want to take on that risk. But from uh, an economic recovery perspective, those are exactly the kinds of things that we need as a city to continue with because those developments that are applying for permits right now are not going to be into construction for one or two years from now, which is going to be part of the economic recovery. So it's, it's so important that we maintain those services as a city and uh, and find ways to to not have to transfer that on to our municipal taxpayers because our municipal taxpayers, our residents in the city of Hamilton, um, do not have the ability to quite simply absorb those extra costs. They're already struggling as it is. And and, and uh, like that makes sense, John Paul. That makes a lot of sense, and I, I agree with most of what you've said right there because I agree. Nobody wants to see a massive increase in their municipal taxes. 
But if it doesn't come from city taxes and it is does go to the province or the feds, it's as you've said a, a while ago, we are one taxpayer. Do we not ultimately still have to pay that money back? It's just which pot it goes into? Absolutely. Um, but the amount that municipalities collect from every dollar of taxes is, I, I can't remember what the exact breakdown is, but what municipalities collect is a small fraction of every tax dollar. The vast majority goes to the upper, upper levels of government. And, uh, you know, using the word unprecedented again, this is the time when we really need that support from the upper levels of government to make sure that our, our taxpayers um, are not on the hook municipal, municipally for those expenses, that it's shared. Because at the end of the day, this is not a city of Hamilton problem. It's not a city of Toronto problem. It's not a municipal problem. This is um, you know, to use the cliche, a global pandemic, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we need that support from our federal government. This is when, you know, as a country, I think we come together and, you know, not, not to, you know, over dramatic, you know, make this too dramatic, but, you know, it's really a time of war. And that's when we rely on those upper levels of government, the federal government in particular, um, to support uh, our residents. It is. Uh, it is certainly something that we will be watching, and and is, is there's no easy answer to it. And uh, Ward Eight Counselor, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me on, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Learning that there is plenty of evidence that indicate the summer slide is a real thing. And if you're saying, okay, that's good. What's the summer slide? Well, let me tell you. It is a belief. It's a theory that students lose some of what they've learned over the school year during the off months. Some of what they put into their brain does not get retained, and then that slides away. And then when you come back in the fall, you have to relearn that before you can go on to the next thing. And I guess I'm learning this as I read this stuff. It's pretty well accepted that students lose a chunk of what they learn in reading, especially in the younger grades, but they lose a lot of the math that they were taught. Some studies have suggested the number is as high as 50% of what you learned in that year before is gone by the time you get back to school in the fall. And that's stuff you have to recapture before you can move along. You can see where I'm going with this in these days, right? If kids are losing a lot of the math they learned from mid-June to the beginning of September, how much are they losing from early March until September? Nearly triple the amount of time off. Vanessa Vicaria is known as the math guru. We love having her on here. She's always great. She joins us now. Vanessa, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? We're doing well, thank you. Yeah, you're you're staying safe. And that music that was played at the top was from Vanessa's band, by the way, who probably isn't playing anywhere these days either. So <laughs> We are not, but we're doing a lot of live streaming. So you can always catch us on some weird online thing. And it's I, I like what you opened with. It's actually called the, if you don't, use it you lose it phenomenon all right you believe it's real then you believe the summer slide or that phenomenon is real yeah i mean it is a real i mean it's 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 real and it's quite logical i mean you can just think about you know think about whether you you know if you're working out and you stop working out for a couple of months you're not going to be able to jump right back into the same spot you were at right like you need to you lose a bit of that muscle you need to build it back up again before you get up to speed so the exact same thing kind of happens with knowledge and 
the reason it happens even more with math than reading is at least with reading, there's a lot of reading that kids do in day-to-day life, right? You might be reading a recipe or you're a street sign or, you know, you read books for fun. Like reading kind of happens a little more naturally than math does unless we create like mathematical opportunities for kids. So with math, there is a lot of stuff that does get lost if it's not practiced. And, and the reason why I, you know, I, I don't know, I, I wasn't sure whether you would believe this or not is because you're right. If you don't go to the gym, you lose the muscle. But at the same time, if I don't ride a bike for 15 years, I can get right back on a bicycle and ride it again. And so you would think, all right, if you've had the concepts properly put into your brain, so you get them that they may still be there, but I guess not. Well, I think they're kind of there. I mean, I think I'm thinking right now about like, you know, the last time I did derivatives and calculus, I mean, I knew them perfectly when I took calculus, if I was asked to do a derivative right now, I would not be able to do it. But if someone retaught it to me for an hour or something, and you know, I got to practice it a bit, I'm sure I could jump back into it. So for sure, you can, even with the bike analogy, like you can ride the bike, but you might be a little rusty at first, but you know that it's still in your bones, I think is kind of how the saying goes. It's not like, you know, just you don't need to relearn it all over again, but you do need to reignite. So like, you know, math is not a bicycle. So there's a bit with a bike, there's a bit of muscle memory involved. And, you know, same with math to an extent, but there are a lot of math concepts that you would just forget. You know, have you like ever learned a second language? You know, it's uh, like po- of- well, tried poorly. <laughs> well, I remember like, I mean, I won the French award when I was in high school and like, I cannot be like, I cannot string a sentence together now. Now, when I, you know, go to Montreal and I visit my grandmother and I reintegrate and I'm surrounded by people speaking French, it comes back to me a little, but it's all the pieces of vocabulary and grammar are not there. Like I would have to remind myself of the rules. So with math, there's like a lot of rules, for example, that you might just forget if you're not using them. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I too would do poorly at derivatives. So there you <laughs> go. Um, but if but if we have now this thing that happens over the summertime over basically mm-hmm. two months where kids start to lose some of the math how bad is it going to be do you expect when it's four or five months that some of them have probably not been doing much in the way of math well I think there's a lot of interesting ways to look at it like one th- you know in just so it's not all bad news there is some I think kind of good news so one thing I find is while we know that the summer slide is a thing we don't accommodate for it that much in September. You know, you normally go back to school. The first week is some sort of review or like the first two days. And then it's right into new stuff. Whereas I think this time around, we are going to be very sensitive to the fact that most kids are in a boat where they are kind of lacking. And I think that there'll be more accommodations for it. So I actually think, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing everyone's sort of saying is, Yes, for sure, you know, this is a rough period where a lot of kids might not be doing the math they, like, you know, are would normally be doing. But at the same time, when it, when it comes time to enter the classroom, everyone's going to kind of understand that we're at the same position. And I think there's going to be a lot more review and a lot more room for that. So that's one thing. And, you know, the other thing is... <sighs> There, there are varying degrees of how much math people are doing right now. You know, like, this is this is the same during the year anyhow, right? It's the same depending what school you go to, whether you go to private or public school, what kind of teacher you have, what math is like at home. So I, I don't think, you know, while there isn't the regular instruction, I always say, even in the summer and in March break, there are ways to, at the very least, 
have your kid thinking mathematically. And that doesn't mean, okay, I need to teach you what you're not learning in school or like they need to sit down with worksheets. But if at the very least you can keep them thinking mathematically, so, you know, have them baking, have them measuring, have them solving problems, have them like, you know, there's a lot of creating, making a lemonade. Practical stuff. Practical stuff. Yeah, there's no one you can sell lemonade to right now, so maybe don't do that. Mm. But like, you know, like, <laughs> but it's, it, it, it is, you know, if we want to use the gym analogy, it's like, okay, let's say you're heavy lifting weights for months and you take two months off. Well, if during those two months you're sitting around watching TV, that's different than if those two months you're at least going for daily walks and, you know, you're at least stretching and you're at least in a fitness mentality. Then when you go back to lift weights, it's not so drastic. So like, there's a lot of stuff you could like creative stuff you can do um, where you're not just sitting teaching your kid, but you're encouraging them to even like go build a fort. Right. But like measure stuff while you're doing it, you know, or like tell me what shape it is. Like just stuff like that. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Talking with Vanessa Vacari, the math guru about kids and math. If you are a parent who has been home, uh, you may have been doing some homeschooling. You may have been trying to do it. You may have been trying to keep your kid on track, but we know that come September, assuming schools open again in September, uh, there are going to be some challenges. And Vanessa, here's where it gets even more difficult, which is what I was just saying. We have parents now who are at home trying to guide their kids through this because teachers mm-hmm. have sent work home. Uh, we also know that many parents are not good at math and they certainly are not good at the new common core math that they never did and never really learned how to do. Mm-hmm. Is it a fair assumption then that y- do you believe that a lot of parents are just throwing up their hands and saying, you know what, we'll figure this out when you go back in the fall? For sure. And, you know, I'm talking to a lot of frustrated parents and I see that that's like a big narrative out there that parents are sort of like, you know what, forget it. And there's a few things like number one, I feel so bad that parents feel like and I I understand why, but that they feel like they need to be the math teacher. Like this was happening. Forget the pandemic, but we were already having this sort of meltdown where parents were so frustrated with the way the curriculum was structured and the fact that they couldn't help their kids with math and they were taking that on themselves. And I want parents listening to know, like, you are not the math teacher. You don't need to be the math teacher. And actually, the best thing you can do is just support your kids through what they're doing. So if, if that means that, like, you're, you and your kid are at your wit's end and you are absolutely not comprehending any of the math that comes in, then that's fine. What I, I think, a gr- like, what would be awesome is take this opportunity to just do what I wish we had time to do all along, which was help our kids fall in love with curiosity and thinking mathematically and things that parents, I promise you're doing and you don't even know, like when you go grocery shopping and you're quickly calculating, you know, how many things you're getting or what's on sale or what's a better deal, like you're doing math or when you're doing things like calculating portion sizes for dinner, you're doing math. So like, you know, kids are so pressured throughout the year to achieve certain grades and to, you know, like not fail that they get turned off of math, probably like many of their parents did. So this is a time to be like, there's no stress, you know, like there are no marks. There's nothing really being graded that matters. There's no, you have to, you know, sit in the front of the class and get called on. Like all of that anxiety, this is the time to see what it can mean to actually look at math without that anxiety. And you'll be surprised how much your kids don't mind actually doing little math things without that anxiety. I had a parent, this is one of my favorite examples, 
you know, uh, that's the other thing. Parents are busy trying to work from home. Like you don't have time to teach, you know, so don't feel guilty. But I had a parent say, look, honestly, I need you to just go do something for an hour. I want you to make, go through our fridge and make me pretend we're a restaurant and make me a menu with prices and I'll come shopping later. You know, I'll come pretend I'm ordering from your restaurant. Like you can give your kids activities like that. Just send them away something creative like that where they're going to be using numbers and, and being curious and there's no set rules of how to do something. Trust me, these are the skills that kids need. This will make them stronger at math generally. And I, I think like this is a really great time to do it because there's finally nothing really on the table. If you're a parent though, or a grandparent or whomever, and you decide, you know, the work has come home, teachers are still doing it online or sending stuff mm -hmm. home. And I want to be involved with math, but I don't really get this common core thing where you're moving blocks and you're doing like, I don't get how they're doing it now, but I can do it my way. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you teach your kid the way we learned it in the seventies and eighties and say, well, they'll figure out the other way after. And some math is better than no math. Or are you screwing up your kid by now teaching oh them a gosh. whole different way of doing it? No, I love that. I love that too. Like I've talked to a few parents who actually really like math who are like, my kid doesn't do any of the math. I'm like, I'm not advocating for this, but I'm just saying this is an approach. You know, my kid doesn't do the math that comes home with them, but we do math every day. So, you know, one day he was like, I'm going to show you um, how to, how to do Sudoku. Like we're going to sit down and I'm going to show you how to play this game. You know, and another day he was like, I'm going to show you a trick for like doing the nine times tables. And like, oh, I know that one. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. It's such a fun one. Like, do stuff like that. Like, sure. Like, if, if something comes home and you're like, look, I don't understand this weird short division, but I know long division. I actually really don't understand the whole short division, like, trend happening right now, personally. So be like, you know what? I'm going to teach you long division, or I'm going to teach you the way. That's amazing. I love that. And, like, that idea of, like, this is how I did it is really engaging to kids. That's a story about their parents, you know? And it's, it's learning something kind of secret that they don't learn anymore. I say do anything you can to to create that little spark when your kid's li eyes mm. light up when something mathematical is involved. Like, absolutely, you're not screwing up your kids no matter what. But when, you know, when it comes to teaching math, but do, do whatever you can, get creative and really, like, take this time to finally feel what it's like for, to have no stakes, right? Like, this is kind of a free-for-all and quite frankly, like, I know this is going to be controversial, but that's what math education needs. We need to just say, screw all the rules. Let's remember what it's like to have that aha moment when it comes to math, no matter how that's generated. Anarchist math. I like it. Anarchist yeah! math. Oh we're going God, down yeah. the anarchist pathway yeah. here with math. The answers don't matter. Just come up with an answer and we're good with it. Well, I, but you know I see, I would have done well in math if those had been the rules. Whatever you put down, that's good. I like this. I, I, well, I, I think the, the idea of evaluating process instead of, of answers is definitely good right now. Like, you know, even doing a problem and saying, I want you to spend 20 minutes and I want you to come up with two different ways to do this problem. That's cool. That's fun. That lets your kids feel like they have the power. You know, that's what they don't get that in school often. And like, those are the real, real moments. That's what math is really about. But I also do love that we're calling it anarchist math, and I think we should. <laughs> I think we got it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You've got a new, uh, a new course to offer on online yeah. <laughs> after we're all done here. Anarchist math with Vanessa. Uh, listen, we always love having you on. Thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. We will be doing it again soon, Vanessa Vacari. You can find her online at the Math Guru. Uh, that's that's the name of her website and her business, and uh, and she's great at it. We'll talk uh, more with her later. Not today, later, you know, math. We'll figure out numbers down the road. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
Let me bring in our good friend, and as it turns out, quite by coincidence, the executive producer of this show, uh, and and on top of that, the host of a highly successful radio program called What Were You Thinking that you can hear on 900 CHML, this very station. If you just weld the dial into place, you will never miss an episode and leave the volume up high enough so you can't possibly sleep through it on a Saturday morning. Jamie West, how are you, sir? I'm good, Scott. Thanks for that uh, four-minute uh, intro. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> we've, been live from, we've been live from the mobile studio called my uh, 2020 Acura TLX A-Spec. You don't mind if I get a shameless plug-in for Acura of Hamilton on Upper James, do you? Well, we're uh, here. Not at all, please. No, go ahead. <laughs> How are the acoustics? Oh, it's, well, the acoustics are fine. Although last week, if, if anybody's listening that was listening to last week's show, I have to apologize to anybody that was listening because apparently we had terrible technical issues. And so it sounded fine to me in the car doing the show, but it didn't sound so good coming out of the radio last Saturday. We were in and out. It kind of sounded like we were, you know, trying to land the lamb on the moon in 1969. <laughs> and uh, anyway, The TRX has to, landed, yes. Yeah, we're going to try to improve on that for this Saturday. Anyway, how I'm are you gonna, doing? Good. I'm going to throw a challenge to you since you're doing it from the mobile studio. One of these weeks, I want you to do the show from all of the main cities and boroughs and burgs of Hamilton. I want you to do the show in Stony Creek, Dundas, Flamborough, Ancaster, Hamilton. What have I forgotten? That's a great idea. That's actually a great idea, and, and it's perfectly doable within the hour easily. So uh, I think I'm, that I'm would be a that. first. That would I'm be a first. You'd be the first person to ever cover the entire city okay. that you're well, talking you're right. to. Yep, I'm, I'm looking it. forward I'm to do, it. I'm going to do it on Saturday. I pro- that's exactly what I'm going to do. And Now... Uh, and I'll tell everybody it was my idea that wasn't listening to your show tonight. That, that's okay. Please do. Uh, <laughs> now, people know, I think people remember, P- Jamie, do people still remember? Because, I mean, it's been a while now. You've done a lot of different things. But people still remember that you, once upon a time, were an on-air reporter at CHCH, right? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it knocks me out, to be honest with you, that the odd time, well, more often than not, people will say, are you the... And it happened to me recently in a bank branch. A, a lady came up to me and said are you the Jamie West that used to be on TV? And I'd say, yeah. And I haven't been on CHCH for over 20 years. Hmm. Doesn't seem that long. No, I, well, it doesn't even, it doesn't seem long to me, but when you think about how many people have come and gone out of CHCH in the last 20 years, you'd think that I would have been long forgotten. But anyway, yeah, that's, yeah, I remember those days. Those, those All were right. good days. So you have, you have lots of experience then doing television. You were on five days a week doing reports mm-hmm. and things like that. Did you ever do a report. Did you ever work, do a shoot, do anything without wearing pants? Yes. Oh, no, no. Well, technically, yes. Technically, yes, I did. In fact, I was, what does that mean? What does technically mean? Well, I was wearing shorts, not pants. All right. So, okay. So you weren't nude. You had something no. on, but they were not, the, they didn't match the top half of you. Yeah, no, it was, in, in fact, I, I don't mind giving this away. I don't even think this is a, a really a new story for a lot of people in Hamilton, but uh, I learned that from my good friend and this community's good friend, Dan McLean, who, you know, for years and years was the anchor. It was harder for the ladies to get away with it, but the guy... <laughs> Connie, Connie Smith showing up pantsless would have been a sight. I, I can say this, I love Connie, and if she's listening, you know how much I love you. She, she was always a modicum of class. She was, there was never, she was never there in a bikini bottom while she was all dressed up. <laughs> stuff, okay? 
Okay. Was Dan was Dan from. in the bikini bottom? Dan was a different story. No, I'm going to get in trouble with Dan. No, in the summertime, he would come in. He had a place out in Linden. Okay, it is a sprawling uh, acreage and estate, the McLean estate out in Linden. Uh, <laughs> he would come in uh, to anchor the news. And uh, he would come in and he, in, in shorts and a golf shirt, and then he would just go and dress from the, the waist up with the, 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 the jacket and tie and the dress shirt and get all the makeup. But then he'd have, like, cargo shorts on and sandals uh, for the rest of it underneath. And I did the same thing. I thought, well, if he can do it, I must follow in his footsteps because uh, he was one of my mentors. So, And I know Ken Welsh used to do it all the time, oh, too. Kenny, you know, Kenny so did. Yeah, everybody Everybody did. Steve Ruddick used to wear slippers around in the newsroom. Like that's okay, but but Jamie, all of those people, all the stories you've just told, uh, <laughs> none of them, as I understand it, were just in their underpants. There was at least no. something on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, the now reason I, I bring the sorry, go ahead. So uh, I don't want to jump you on this. This I heard about somebody somebody doing a business meeting in their underwear this week. Is that what happened? Well, I'm sure that happened. I guarantee you that happened. And and Will and uh, Ben and I were talking earlier this week about a guy in uh, Spain whose name I can't remember now, but he has this great Spanish name who was doing a live shoot from his room and his naked girlfriend, not knowing he was live on TV, walked across <laughs> the room in the background. <laughs> now, oh, I should I should clarify, not his girlfriend. He's a very well-known personality in Spain, and he's in the paparazzi all the time. And this got him in trouble because the girl who was naked walking behind him wasn't the girlfriend that he's well-known to be with. Oh, oh no, but that that's not, makes it a funny story. But that's not even the one that I was going to ask you about. So I didn't realize that there's a guy on ABC News named Will Reeve, and he's a reporter. I didn't realize that he is the son of Christopher Reeve, who used to be Superman. All right, great job. Anyway, he was doing a shoot from his house, a live remote from his house with the uh, anchor back at the station. And I guess the camera angle, they, he hadn't checked quite perfectly to make sure. And you could see he was just sitting there in his undies, had, no. had the shirt. And he's, he's oh. responded to it by saying it was kind of funny. But yes, he, if you're going to do that, I think you have to at least make sure the camera is only capturing the part you want captured. Well, you definitely have to do that. I mean, you know, you've got to know, and you also have to know that there'll be no occasion where you'll be on camera where you do have to stand up for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, these are, these are funny things that go on. I'm trying to think of some of the other goofy things. Well, they're things that I, I can't discuss on the air. Actually. I'll tell anybody who wants to hear them off the air if they call me, but, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of funny things that have gone on in the news business and in newsrooms. Uh, they're not quite uh, as serious at, uh, a lot of the time as they're portrayed to be uh, when when people are on the air. That's for sure. Don't be fooled by by the over seriousness. There's a level of professionalism that comes with the broadcasting license, but uh, I can tell you from firsthand experience, there's an awful lot of uh, shenanigans, so to speak, that go on in newsrooms. And I, well, think I you might know some about that. Well, probably. Uh, yes, probably. I, I can tell you that um, this has nothing to do with the news, really, but it's a newsroom story and involves shenanigans. Uh, the Handmaid, Handmaid's Tale is has been filmed in Hamilton, and a number of scenes were shot in the Spectator building 
um, in all different parts from the newsroom down to the press room to everything else. And uh, I know what's her name. I can't remember her name now. Who's the star of Handmaid's Tale who was in Elizabeth Mad Men. Moss? Thank you. Uh, Elizabeth yeah, I Moss. I haven't even seen it. I haven't seen the, the, the series. But. Well, uh, so she, um, she gets rather naked and rather sweaty. Uh, and it happened right on the floor beside my desk. And I, now no one was in the newsroom. I wasn't there. This didn't happen during business hours, just for, uh, for the, the record. Bronze, but Did you have a bronze plaque installed there that said this is the place where Elizabeth Moss got all sexy and sweaty and right here beside my desk? No, there's nothing No, there. I, I, was, I was concerned for her safety. No, that Mark. carpet's been in there for a long time. I don't know if I oh. want to be naked on that. Car- <laughs> but I said to someone, I said, you know, I think this must be the first time that anyone's ever been nude in the newsroom. And the person said, nope. That's what you think. <laughs> and I said, I don't even want to know. I, I have no interest in knowing who else might have been naked in the spectator newsroom at any particular time. Now, I will say this, though, Jamie. Years ago, there was the, re- the residual or the remnants of a hurricane that had come through the Hamilton area. And I can't remember which hurricane it was. It was probably about 10 years ago. I, and, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. So in the East Mountain, up near Lawfield, because uh, I was I was an eyewitness to that uh, the tornado, right? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. It was it was Hurricane Isabel or something. Maybe that oh, was it. Anyway, okay. and and what we got was the remnants, which was just a really, really unbelievably bad windstorm, thunderstorm, and rain and everything. And so I thought, do you ever do you ever see the movie Caddyshack? Of course, yeah. All right, and in the movie Caddyshack, there's the priest who goes out and he's playing the round of his life when the storm comes, and he won't leave the course. And so I had this image of Caddyshack, and I called around to golf courses and said, would you let me play in a hurricane to do a story? And one place said, yeah, you can come. We'll let you play. And as I'm out on the course, Jamie, I'm about five holes in. There's not a person around. The rain is coming down sideways. It's completely – and I thought, this could be the one chance of my life to play a hole naked. (laughs) <laughs> you didn't. I didn't. I so, thought, you know, I don't know if they've got video cameras around the course. I don't, I, I just thought, you know what? No, it, it, somehow this will not. But anyway, I bring that forward that because. About you though? Hold on. Whoa, 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 stop, stop. What is that? <laughs> that, 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 that would be your thought. That, 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 not, see, there's nobody around. This is great. I'm, I'm gonna. I don't have any pressure from people looking at me, so I'm gonna make the shot of my life here. I got no. This will be no. Bradley wants to peel off all his clothes. Like I, I because I thought to myself, what would be the one thing that you would never be able to do on a golf course at any <laughs> other time? Because I was completely alone. There was no one else on the course, <laughs> and I thought like I could take crazy shots, or I could no, no. What's the that would be the thing that no one probably has ever done. I don't know what they do up at the Naturist Resort up on Highway Six. Maybe they have a golf course. I don't know, mini putt. Um, but anyway. But I've thought <laughs> lots this of week, balls hanging around. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> the dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, there's so I don't want to say how many euphemisms there are for golf and for body yeah. parts. Well, I'm not going to get down go down that path anyway. But this week, I thought to myself, now that I'm doing the show here from my basement, this could be the first opportunity to broadcast an entire show nude which I am not doing, by the way. I'm in the opposite of that. I'm in the most ugly, horrendous, fat pants clothing ever. But, you know, before this is done, 
I am betting you, Jamie, before this is done, someone on radio somewhere who's broadcasting from home will do a show naked. I guarantee you they will. Are you trying to egg me on? Because I'll take that. I'll, like, I'll go for that challenge, too. Like, no, but I'm you can't do, do that in your car. No, you can't do it in your car. You can't drive to all the boroughs. You can't drive to all the boroughs without clothes. You won't finish the show because you'll be in a jail cell. But can I? But I legally, I could do it in my underwear, though. Uh, we could. That would be okay. I just couldn't do it nude. But I could wear my box and a t-shirt, and and I would be legal. That's why. How t- how tinted are your windows? Oh, they're very tinted. They're well, then maybe, and that's maybe the you can get away you with it. I want everybody to know you're in your under doing the show. Don't you? Is that part of it? Yes. Well, I wouldn't get into any trouble. But yeah, anyway. I, I hear you. But does, it, but does it change? Here's the question. As usual, I'm hijacking your show. No, please. Right, come on. Listen, how different, how different does it feel to you doing the show from your basement? How different does it feel? It's got to feel completely completely different than being in the studio uh it does and i'll tell you what uh, and i'm just actually as we're talking texting to my family because i don't know if people at home can hear sort of a uh sound can you hear that that um sound in the background because my office in the basement is underneath the laundry room and someone turned on the washing machine no no all i hear is it it sounds like the hurricane is above me that's the only difference no, actually, so I got the, the sound quality speaking to you is be, is actually better from your basement than a normal studio to my phone. So, well, there you go. But I'm not naked. No, I'm not Thank naked, God. and uh, and no. yeah, and will not be. But um, you know what? But the no pants thing. Yeah, if you're if you're at least on TV, if you're if you're going to be on TV, I think there should be some sort of rule that says make sure that if you're going to wear something that doesn't match the top half, at least it's not indecent. Well, that's that's true, but but the other thing is that it quite literally was a rule, an unwritten rule among anchors that you, if you didn't have to wear pants, that you shouldn't be seen in pants behind the desk. Like when summer came around, if you were wearing a full suit, people just looked like you were an idiot. What are you doing? Wear your shorts. You know, people looked at you like you were nuts if you didn't have a suit on from your neck to your waist and then shorts and sandals from your waist to your feet. So, but that explains a lot about people that work in that business. It does. And you know what? And just make sure, just as a word of advice to you, you have way more experience than I do, but just as a word of advice and to everyone else listening who has their own show, TV or radio, if you're going to have someone walk behind you nude, make sure they're somehow related to you. (laughs) That's the best. That's the best it's good. It's always. just good advice. Oh, it's great. just good advice. <laughs> uh, hey, listen. Uh, uh, what were you thinking? Which could you know? This could be. It could fit in perfectly if you do that. What were you thinking? It would be an absolutely perfect connection to it. Uh, Saturday mornings here on nine hundred CHML. Take a listen. Uh, and Jamie, if he's going to do it, and we'll see. Is going to traverse the entire width and breadth of this city in one show to cover no, all of it. Hamilton while he does it. There we go. I'm doing it. We're going every. We're going to every single old municipality before amalgamation and we're and we'll uh, let everybody know where we're at it's a great idea there you go come along for yeah. the ride scott come along for the ride you know what i may just do that i got nothing else on a saturday morning well you know what i may have to be in the open. trunk though with the with the distancing well where else would you want to ride it'd be perfect <laughs> I'll just pretend I've been kidnapped. It'll be a fun experience. Uh, Jamie West, thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. 
Love it. Take care, Scott. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.